Uh, okay, let's start again. Hi, I'm John. Welcome to Hope Church in Berlin. Clap. Um, so we're looking at chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, and it starts with, is it correct? There we go. Are we beginning to praise ourselves again? Which is a weird way to start a chapter, because it's, uh, so if you haven't caught the rest of our series so far, 2 Corinthians is written by Timothy and Paul, I think mostly Paul, um, but he's saying, are we beginning to praise ourselves again? Which begs the question, what were they saying that made them say this? So I'm going to have to do something I really don't like doing, which is I have to go back to what someone said in the previous week with this to actually make sense. So, Ryan, last week, uh, does anyone remember the cookies? Yeah. Um, so, Paul and Timothy were talking about them having this aroma, um, that they were part of, was it the triumphant procession? Triumphant procession? Uh, where Romans would come back from a victory and there'd be this procession, this uh, carnival almost, of people coming down and there'd be people with smelly stuff burning. And to those who had won, that's like, ah, that's the smell of victory. And to those who got beaten, they're like, oh, we lost. That's the smell of defeat, almost. And Ryan was saying how we are going to be this you know, amazing aroma. We're going to be this pleasing smell to Christ. And put up a picture of cookies, which always gets my attention because I love cookies. Um, and it reminded me when Ryan was saying that, actually, about uh, there's a place in Birmingham called the Bull Ring. Has anyone been to the Bull Ring in Birmingham? Yeah, cool. Um, I'm not sure if it's still there, but when I used to visit Birmingham years and years ago, there was a place called Millie's Cookies. Uh, it's still there, cool. And what I found was that no matter where you came into that shopping centre, you could smell Millie's Cookies. It was amazing. You'd walk in any door and go, oh, that's amazing. And my friend Ben at the time was convinced that they'd hooked up that oven or something to like the ventilation system of the whole thing to bring people to buy their cookies. But it's a similar thing to that. You don't walk into that and go, ugh, cookies. No one in their right mind would do that. <laughs> but if you walk, you'd, you know, you'd walk in and go, wow, cookies, I would love cookies. And, it's, and what uh, Paul and Timothy are sort of saying a little bit is like, if you smell that smell, that smell is a good smell. And if that smell is bad to you, it's not the fault of the smell, the problem is your nose. You know? <laughs> saying that, you know, it's a victory smell to those who are being saved, to those who are coming to know Jesus more. It's the other, if you're, if you're offended by what it is that they're saying, then actually maybe you're on the wrong side of this battle. Uh, so that's the first thing they said. They say, we smell amazing. Um, they also say, we are not like the many hucksters who preach for personal profit. I love the NLT translation for this of hucksters. You don't see that often in the Bible, do you? Um, but the word many here is... That really threw me. It's not like we're not like the one or two that are peddling the gospel for personal profit. It's like we're not like the many. And the Greek word for many there is uh, what gets used now as poly. And a number of years ago, uh, sorry, younger people, you won't appreciate this at all. Um, but there was a point where your phone went from monophonic ringtones to polyphonic ringtones. And it was mind-blowing. Your phones up to that point could only manage like one tone at a time. And it's like, oh, wow, it now has other things happening. There's multiple things happening at the same time. This is amazing. And it's that many, polyphonic, poly, many. It's, it's lots. And that's pretty shocking, really, isn't it? Because, you know, we'd never have this nowadays at all, would we? You wouldn't find people preaching for personal profit or doing anything crazy. Oh, where did that come from? Um, yeah, it's still a problem. It's... it's it's upsetting, but there are people who are using the gospel on their platform and everything to actually benefit themselves and like, I'll have another personal jet, please. It's, it's annoying, but it's, it's a thing. And I know 
uh, that people in Rhinovellin that I've talked to on occasion have been like, oh, got more followers? Have you got more people paying into your coffers? That kind of stuff. And this actually can be quite a thing for people to get over. They can think that we're in it to make profit. And Paul particularly uh, can instantly squash that because Paul... Click. No, it's gone too far. Made tense! <laughs> um, many of you all know that Paul... Uh, in fact, when I was speaking a while ago about... Uh, Priscilla and Aquila, uh, Paul got on well, really well with them because they were tent makers like him. And Paul sort of almost funded himself with his tent making ministry. And I can uh, appreciate that to a certain extent. He was bivocational, and I myself, I do lots of stuff for the church, but I also work Monday to Thursday as a web developer. And so when Paul says about in, I think it's 1 Corinthians 9, again, working off memory, so feel free to like, fact check that, um, Paul says about um, not sort of doing this so as to not hinder the gospel so that when he has those kind of conversations with people saying you know, oh you're in this for personal profit he can go oh actually no I support myself um, I'm not in this for personal profit just so nothing would get in the way of the gospel message coming through to people so I kind of get that and that's one of the reasons why I think even if I reduced my hours at work I don't think I'd ever go down to maybe less than three days because I want to be able to support myself but it's worth saying but there are so many places in the Bible that say it's completely fine to be employed full-time by the church. I should especially say that as my wife is. Um, so, you know, it's totally okay. And Paul says when he says that he does it so it's not to get in the way of the gospel, he does say, I'm putting away what I sort of rightly deserve, almost, what is right for me to have. So it's sort of a personal preference thing for Paul and it's sort of a personal preference thing for me. But, yeah, the, the many, it's just, like, just it, it blows my mind, but... So we said about personal profit for like monetary type reasons and that sort of self-explanatory, but I was thinking personal profit doesn't necessarily mean money. So you get people who might be preaching to be the important guy up the front or to be respected, to gain influence, to have a platform, to sort of you know, lord it over people, or even, and I wrote this one and it made myself sad, um, to be seen. You know, if I'm up the front, then people will see me and people will maybe be my friend. And as I wrote that, I was like, oh, where am I writing this? This is making me sad. But, you know, people can have all these kind of reasons for doing uh, what I'm doing now, in effect, but they can all be terrible <laughs> or sad. So Paul is saying, we're not doing it for the wrong reasons. We're not doing it for monetary value. We're not doing it to be like the important, well-known people or, you know, to be respected or whatever. They're doing it because they believe in what they are saying. They go on to say, as men of sincerity, they're authentic, they truly believe what they're saying. They believe that they have something from God that they want to impart to people and they want them to do well and know God better and grow in all that gifting and character and all that stuff. And they're commissioned by God, which is really important. And I was thinking about people in the Old Testament and no one, as far as I'm aware, you know, it seems unlikely to me that... Abraham, when he was Abraham, was writing, Dear Diary, I would like to leave my home and everything I know and everything I have and go on a massive adventure. He didn't write that. God said, get up, off you go. And he went. Moses, when called by God, went, uh, I don't want to go speak to Pharaoh. Can I bring this guy? Uh, Gideon, arise, mighty soldier, who is a guy hiding away in a rhyme press. All the people who, like, who God seemed to choose we're actually not people who were seeking these things out. Even Paul himself was, by all definitions, a pretty bad dude. He was hunting down people in the church and being generally horrible, generally. And so 
you know, Paul, what made him do what he did was he had an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus said, stop that, you work for me now. <laughs> you know, it's the commissioning, the calling by God is what made them do what they were going to do, and that's what was really important. So are we beginning to praise ourselves again is how this started. You know, we haven't got past verse one yet. <laughs> so it kind of feels like a little bit, doesn't it? If I'm honest, you said, we smell amazing, we're not like those guys, and we've had this great calling from God. A little bit. It sounds like it to me. Are people, yeah? A little bit. So I just thought that was a bit off. Anyway, it says, go on to say, are we like others who need to bring you letters of recommendation or who ask to write such letters on their behalf? Surely not. And what's interesting here is, right, just you can hear Paul's indignation. He's like, why are we having to do this? Why, why are you expecting us to write letters of recommendation? And it was something very personal uh, to Paul and Timothy. And it's worth noting that letters of recommendation are not a bad thing. And actually, there's other points in the Bible where Paul is noted for having written letters of recommendation or be saying to people, hey, I'm sending you this guy. He's really awesome in the actual letter itself. So Paul did that. So that was a completely normal and acceptable practice. So why is it that he's so like, why are you doing this, Corinthians? What's, what's wrong with you? Why is he like that? So does anyone know who this is? And before you answer, let me just clarify, it is not the live action version of the old guy from Up. Okay. <laughs> So anyone else, anyone else tell me who this is? Terry Virgo. Terry Virgo. Yes. So anyone know what, who, like, what did Terry Virgo do, Sam? Start New Frontiers. Started New Frontiers. Yeah, so our church is part of a group of churches called Catalyst, which is one of the spheres which are connected with New Frontiers, which Terry effectively started many moons ago. And in November, I went to a leadership meeting for Catalyst in, where did I go? Worcester. Worcester. <laughs> I'm so bad with geography. Um, and Terry was there, and he was talking and preaching and sharing God's word. And you know what I really expect didn't happen? Is that the people who organised that event, I doubt very much they wrote and said, I oh, would like you to come preach, but can you bring some letters of recommendation to have people sort of vouch for you and who you are? Because the only reason everyone was in that room was because Terry founded New Frontiers a million years ago. It would have been completely bonkers. And it's the same thing uh, for Paul here, saying to the Corinthians, why do you need a letter of recommendation? Because they know him. He's like the guy who founded their church. It's completely bonkers. It's like if Andrew got back from sabbatical and we said, oh, you know, we've been doing this series. Could you give us some references before we carry on and let you preach? It's bonkers, you know, because it, it just makes no sense. Like everyone following on that is just a bit bonkers. So, oh. Paul pretty much says that, in effect, says the only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. And I like that. It's really poetic, isn't it? It's nice. Um, the hour is in italics because the Greek is kind of weird on that. It's possibly your, but it's a, just a bit strange, so I thought I'd make a note of that. Uh, but the, the de meaning is the same, sort of. Paul has you know, been involved in the writing of letters in people's hearts, which is really good. But it carries on to say, everyone can read it and recognise our good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. So he's not claiming credit or authorship of the letter that has been written in people's hearts. I thought that's really interesting. So I was like, what's he trying to say here? What is Paul and what Timothy, what are they trying to get across? And then uh, during the week, well, it was Monday actually, wasn't it? So Monday uh, to Thursday, Heather was at Cardinal... Cardinal I can't say that. Cardinal Newman, 
um, doing something called Jesus Live, which is sort of having loads of tablets and tech and then talking to people about Jesus, which was really cool. Uh, and because it was tech-related, I got roped in to help set things up on the Monday morning. Like, hey, John, how would you like to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and come help set up a load of things? I'm like, great. Um, but while I was down there, they had a board at the back. I think it was an RE class or an... Is it RE or RS now? I always get confused. RE? Okay. I'm never sure if it's religious education or religious studies. I think some schools call it different things. Um, but at the back, they had a, a wall of quotes. And one of them really jumped out at me, and it was this one. I'm a little pencil in the hand of a writing god who is sending a love letter to the world. I was like, okay, yep, that's pretty much exactly what Paul is trying to say here. He's saying that God used me as the instrument for writing on like the letter of love on people's hearts. I thought, that is so it. And that is us too. We can be little pencils in the hand of a writing God, writing love letters into people's hearts. Isn't that awesome? Not, not as good. I'll come back to that later on. So it's written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. What does tablets of stone make people think of? Commandments, yes. I'm glad it wasn't just me. That's good. Um, so he's saying it's not like the, the old covenant. It's not like the rules and regulations that we used to have. And in terms of these letters, it's weird because they're called letters of recommendation, but for Paul and Timothy, they become letters of requirement almost. And he's saying that's so law and that's so much old red tape that we kind of got rid of. We don't need to create unnecessary rules for things anymore because we're all about relationship and the spirit and knowing and loving one each other. One each other, one another or each other, either one, but not the same, joined together, because that's weird words. Um, but it's, it's not like it was, and I, could, I'm, I didn't want to touch too much on the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, because that's pretty much, I think, going to be the, the heart of next week's talk. But for me, the Old Covenant was very much, you need to meet requirements, and the New Covenant was, you need to meet Jesus. <laughs> you know, that just really, really dumbed down, that's, uh, what it came across as to me. And these letters were weirdly requirements that had been come out of nowhere. So it says, we are confident of all this because of our great trust in God through Christ. And I really like that because um, Paul's effectively, and maybe Timothy, it's, it's hard to work out who's writing necessarily because he always says we, so it's all probably Paul writing, but with Timothy there. And it says, we're confident of all this, which is basically going, I'm pretty sure that everything I've just said is right. <laughs> which is quite fun uh, but he says because of our great trust in God through Christ and it's about that he's got confidence in the spirit at work in people's lives that God's speaking into people's hearts and writing these letters of love more so than all the red tape and nonsense that can sometimes come along and then he says it's not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own our qualification comes from God so jumping back to last week again Ryan sort of had this almost rhetorical question in there somewhere, uh, which was, who is adequate for this task? I don't know if you spoke that, but this is almost like the, the answer to that. He says, we don't think we are, which is, no worries. Um, you know, we don't think we're qualified from this task. Our qualification comes from God. And I had a weird thing in, I think it was, no, was it, I believe in November? Yeah. So in November, I did a talk at uh, Ryan's work at Atlantic College, or Fancy Schmancy School, as I call it. And I had to introduce myself. So I was like, this, is, this was my intro slides. Like, hi, I'm John. I'm web developer, ethical hacker, church leader. I'm married to a wonderful woman, have a cute dog. And then sort of along the bottom is kind of like my, my qualifications, which are, you know, certified ethical hacker. I've got a Mickey Mouse degree from the London College of Music. 
and at some point I pass some exams uh, to do with nerdy codey stuff. But nowhere in that does it say, and went to Bible college for three years and holds a master's in theology. It doesn't say Dr. John Ryan or Professor John Ryan, and some of the people that Ryan had coming to talk at this thing were like well-known people with degrees coming out of their ears and all sorts of really fancy job titles. And I'm like, are you sure, Ryan? Are you sure you want me to come do this? Are you sure? Because I felt massively unqualified. And the thing is, it doesn't matter. Because what matters is that they've been called by God. So the disciples themselves, this is one of my favourite verses in, I think, the whole Bible, which is, uh, when talking about the disciples, the disciples, it says, they were unschooled, ordinary men. I love that. They were ordinary people. They were just normal guys. And uh, our friend Sam Ward uh, points out that the Greek uh, for ordinary is hilariously idioti, which is brilliant, isn't it? Um, so, you know, they were not the smartest, they were not the sharpest tools in the shed, they were just normal dudes. They were uh, guys who weren't the cream of the crop, they didn't have doctorates and degrees and masters and everything, they were just normal guys. And I think I mentioned in one of my previous talks about sort of this stuff that the Jewish pe people went through, where they'd uh, learn like whole books of the Bible off by heart and memorise them and be able to retell them and then... If they succeeded in that, they'd like progress to the equivalent, I guess, of secondary school or whatever, and they'd learn the next section of scripture, and then learn this sort of answering a question with a question thing that Jesus does all the time. And then the absolute cream of the crop would get discipled by a rabbi. They'd like apply, it's like applying to university, go, please, may I go, I'm this person. And then a rabbi would go, all right, then you can come follow me. That's not what Jesus did. He went and he said, come follow me to fishermen and tax collectors, and people who had flunked out of this system. They were not the cream of the crop. They were, you know, idioti. They were the normal guys. And so what was really important was that they were called by God. And that's why Paul says, our qualification comes from God. And it's so easy to write yourself off in human sort of terms and think, I don't have this. I've seen other people with this, so I must need this too. Or I have to be like this person, or I have to do this thing in this way. But actually, the important, most important thing is your qualification from God. You're calling from God to do whatever it is you've been called to do. That's what really matters. And so for me, I almost had to remind myself of that when I did the believe thing. Because has anyone heard of imposter syndrome? Yeah, that can creep in really easily. So just to remind yourself that, you know, God actually uses everyday, ordinary people to do incredible things. And sort of, you know, reminding yourself of that. Uh, so this is probably the nerdiest slide that I've ever had in a preach. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, so, you know, God says, I choose you. Uh, and so this is a thing from Pokemon uh, where the protagonist, Ash, always, when he chooses his Pokemon, is like, Pikachu, I choose you. And goes, and his choices are sometimes questionable. He will see, effectively, a Pokemon is basically rock, paper, scissors. And you'll have like a, a fire type, and then you'll have something that's like a grass type, and you don't send the fire type or a grass type intensive fire type because it would just burn it up effectively and he does, did stuff like that all the time but God's not like that he's not going to go I choose you and you be the wrong choice God gets it right every single time he's perfect in his decision making and if he's called you to something it's because you're the right person for that job he knows exactly who you are what you're capable of and will make the right choice every single time so I just wanted to finish with going back to this is that I'm a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who is sending a love letter to the world. 
And if there's one thing I wanted you to take away today, it's this, which is why... Oops, send things everywhere. I have brought along some little pencils. And what I would like you to do is I want all of you to take a little pencil and a Sharpie and write your name on it and then stick it somewhere where you're occasionally spotted to remind yourself that you can be used by God. That it doesn't matter how qualified you are in earthly terms, God can use you. Um, so I haven't thought about how to do this necessarily. Maybe if I pass the box around and then some Sharpies afterwards. Oh, uh, wait, could you open that for me? <laughs> and send some pens around. Uh, some pen, a pen, pen, pen. So yeah, right, just write it on it. And if you, I, I, unfortunately, you can't order these in packs of like 30 or 40. So there's like 144 in there or something stupid. Um, so if you think, oh, you know, I've got a friend or someone at home who really needs to know this, that they are, they can be used by God. And actually that'd be something that they could really do with hearing right now. I would encourage you, grab an extra one or two, uh, write their names on it too, and then give that to them. So that's it for that bit of scripture for me today. Um, I hope that has encouraged you, and I just want to pray for you before we go back into worship. And I think I managed to get through that without my notes relatively well, so hopefully. Uh, but Father, I thank you that you are a God who calls us, that you are a God who has plans and purposes for us, and that you never make mistakes, that you call the right people for the right tasks. Uh, I just pray that you'll help us when we have sort of imposter syndrome or that kind of thing, and that you'll help remind us that anyone can be used by you, and that many of the people who were used by you throughout the whole of the Bible were people who thought, are you sure God, surely not me? Um, so I just pray that you'll help us to remember that you've given us your spirit, that you've given us your love, and that we are capable of doing incredible things for you and with you. Uh, so I just pray that as the week goes on, that occasionally we'd spot our little pencils and go, yeah, hey, yeah, I can be used by God. I'm a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who wants to write love letters to the world. And may we be that. May we encounter people this week who will be able to express your love for that will be able to show that you're a God who loves them. And I just pray that you'll be with us as we continue to worship, as we lift your name and worship you in all your wonderfulness. Amen.